Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Shadows. They're fascinating, aren't they? We've all seen them portrayed as many things, spooky, foreboding, indicating that something typically bad is about to happen, yet the Bible paints a different picture of shadows as they relate to God. One of the most comforting passages of Scripture actually highlights how we have a great shadow under the wings of God to find rest in. It's as if it's saying, this is the best place to be when times are hard, to hide yourself in the shadows of God's wings like a bird nestles its chicks in her feathers so God wants to hide us in His love and know His comfort in times of trouble. So how do we experience that in our own lives? That's what we're taking a closer look at in our current series, The Shadow of the Almighty. Let's continue the upward journey. Well, for family, how we doing? You guys are doing real good. I was standing backstage and I could hear you worshiping like through the walls. If it made me as happy as it made me, I can't even imagine how happy it must have made him. For those of you who I have not had a chance to meet, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And I actually, I get to be a part of this incredible worship team pretty often. But can I just tell you, I don't get a chance to pause and do this very often. It's pretty awesome to not have to be that guy and to be able to just come in here and know that there's such an incredible team up here that can lead us and worship. And it's great to be led and worship. So can we just show our appreciation for them really quick? So grateful for them. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but we have people that are up here every week. We have people that are back there every week. We have people that are upstairs every week. They kind of make all of that come together. And you probably don't know this, but they get here early Thursday nights, and then we do a Thursday service, and then they got here early today with the time change and the dark and the rain and the cold, and they walked up the hill because they parked down the hill so you guys could have a better parking spot. And then they practiced, and then they did a run-through, and we're going to do this service three times, and they're here for the whole thing. And so I'm just so grateful for so many incredible people across all of our teams that show up so that we can just point people to Jesus. And so can we hear it for everybody that serves in some capacity? We are so grateful for you and how God is using you, and I hope he continues to use you how he is uh, in this place and outside of this place as well. Well, again, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. If you haven't noticed, I am not Pastor Andy. Uh, I promise he will be back, Uh, but I'm excited to be able to share my heart as we wrap up this series, Shadow of the Almighty. And if you haven't been here with us, what we've been doing is we've been going through Psalm 91, and we have been taking our time. We've been going through it for the last six weeks. We're wrapping it up, and what we've been doing is just taking verse by verse and trying to pull out as much truth as we can and figure out how do I apply that to my life? How do I walk out of this place and apply that to my life, right? And so it's been really incredible, and I'm excited to dive into the last three verses today uh, of Psalm 91, verses 14, 15, and 16. If you got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it's okay. We are going to throw it up on this giant screen behind me so everybody can, can read along so you don't think I'm making this stuff up. Uh, but while you do that, if you are turning there, uh, there's something interesting to note about Psalm 91. It starts off with the psalmist. Some, some people believe that it was Moses, others David, you know, kind of thing. I kind of lean toward Moses a little bit. I don't know that it really matters who it was. The truth is still the truth inside of it. But it starts off in the beginning. The psalmist, the voice is, is like praising God. It's talking about how great God is, right? And then it moves on and his voice changes a little bit. And it's almost like he turns into a preacher for the majority of the psalm. And he starts to talk to God's people about God, talk to God's people about resting and who he is, right? And then in the very last three verses, there's this huge shift. The psalmist says, this is what the Lord says. And then we read these three verses. And so these three verses that we're going to dive in today, these, these are the words of God. God is saying these words, and I believe he's saying them to his people 
which I believe includes you and includes me. And so we're going to just dive right in today. Psalm 91, verse 14. God says this. He says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Six times in there, God himself says, I will. That's a promise from God. And if you don't know anything else about God, you can take this to the bank, okay? God keeps his promises. Without question. Why would he say it? He has no other reason to say it other than he plans to do it. Because he doesn't have to do it. He's God. And so God makes six promises in these three verses. And so for the time that we have today, what I want to do is just unpack those six promises, those six I will statements. And if you guys are up for it, normally we give three-point sermons. Today I'm giving a six-point sermon, so we're just going to dive in and go at it. Is that okay? Okay, promise number one. God himself says, I will deliver you. I will deliver you. Now, I did a little bit deeper study into the Hebrew of each of these promises because that's what it was written in. And, 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 and right here, this word deliver, it actually means escape. In other words, God is saying, I will deliver you. I will provide an escape for you, which is powerful. God is saying, I know you're in the middle of something. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do something. I'm going to deliver you. Now, what you're going to find as we go through all six of these, these promises, these I will statements, is that there is the obvious statement, the obvious promise, right? In this one, it's I will deliver you. That is the obvious promise. But with each of these, there's also kind of an uncelebrated kind of promise buried beneath it that we don't really want to acknowledge if we're being honest, right? But yes, God says, I will deliver you. But in order for that to be true, it means you are going to find yourself in situations that you need to be delivered from. Which is not like, yay, we're not like, amen, preach it, right? Like, that's not, what we're, that's not what we're talking about. But can I just be honest with you? I think that this is kind of the common theme throughout Psalm 91, as we've been going through this series, talking about the shadow of the Almighty. I think this is the common theme. If I can put it as simply as this, it's, it's that God is good and our world is broken. God is good and our world is broken. And I think this psalm is really an invitation that in the, midst, in the midst of that brokenness, you can rest in who he is and the goodness of who he is, like we just sang about, the goodness of God, right? So the promise here is, yes, I will deliver you. But here's the deal. There's 7,487. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I got that right. There's 7,487 promises <clears throat> Excuse me, that God makes directly to his people in Scripture. 7,487 promises, and none of those promises, not one time does he go, you will never encounter a problem. It's just not, in fact, there's promises that let you know, hey, you're going to encounter trouble. You're going to find yourself in situations that you need to be delivered from. And there's not going to be anything that you can do except put your trust in him. He's saying, you're not going to be able to save yourself. You're not going to be able to provide an escape in these situations for yourself. No, I am going to have to swoop in and save the day. Only the hand of God can reach down and deliver you, which is a scary place to be, but then to look at this promise and know that God himself says, but I'm going to do that. I am going to step down. I am going to reach my hand out. I am going to deliver you, and so maybe you just need to be reminded that God says that, or maybe you're in the middle of something right now going, it doesn't feel like there is any escape. Can I just tell you, I don't know what that escape is, but I do know who will provide it if you'll put your trust in who he is. He says, I will deliver you. 
You guys ready for number two? Okay, promise number two, he says, I will set you on high. In the Hebrew here, in the original language, he's saying, I will, I will set you inaccessibly high. I will, I, I've delivered you, right? I've pulled you out of that, and now I'm going to set you on high. What does that mean? I, uh, I was at the store uh, probably about two weeks ago, um, and I was just getting some random things that we forgot, like milk and eggs and stuff that we probably should have gotten in the first place, but we forgot, right? Other people do that, right? I'm not alone? Okay. Awesome. Uh, I've seen you there. I know you do it. Um, and funny enough, uh, my family and I, we have this, this obsession with golden double-stuffed Oreos. I'm not condoning gluttony, but I am saying they are really fantastic, okay? And it just so happens while I'm at the store, I happen to be going down that aisle, and those cookies just happen to fall in my basket. It was a miracle. God spoke, and I had to, no, I'm not going to put that on God. God did not do that. Um, uh, so I check out, I get, I get all the groceries, and then even more amazing that I get home, nobody's around. So I get to unpack the groceries without anybody seeing me. Well, I'll just let you know, I took those golden double stuffed Oreos, and I put them up on top of the fridge, right? Now, I am, I'm not the tallest person in the world, but I am the tallest person in my house. So if I go like this, I can see that little golden wrapper, and just there's this glimmer of hope inside of my soul. Of, right, I'm going to make it through this week, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you, that I made it a whole week without anybody in my family knowing that those cookies existed. And I finished off about a row and a half-ish, which that shows a little self-control, right? A week, that's two to three a day. I could have easily cleared out that whole box in a day by myself. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, my wife just kind of had, she was at work all day. She got home. I probably didn't clean up very well. It was a long day, right? And she just had one of those moments, there's probably some husbands that can attest where she's just like, I need something sweet. And I said, I got you. She's like, we don't have anything. I was like, "Ah, I got you. And I walked into the kitchen to my secret stash and I brought it out and I said, there you go. And she was so excited. She was like, where do these come from? I was like, don't worry about it. And then she opened it and half of them were gone and she was a little, you know, less excited, right? (laughs) And and so she, she ate some of the cookies. Of course, my kids heard a rapper. They came running out of the woodwork. They ate the other half. And so I've got a few of these cookies left, but that did not stop me from taking the rest of them and putting them back up here in my spot, right? And here's the deal. My kids come to me every 10 minutes of every day and go, Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, can I have a snack? You're allowed to go get fruit out of the fridge. You can go. We have a little cabinet with a basket with snacks in it. You can go in there and grab something. Yeah, go get one. But you know what they don't do? They don't walk out in the garage, get a ladder, climb to the top of the fridge and see if there's anything good up there, right? No, right? Why don't they? Because I've set them on high. But here's the part I really want you to get. Even more more so than where they have been placed, they know who put them there. They know that dad will rain down fire from heaven. (laughs) Right? They know who put them there and they know why I put them there. The reason is they're mine, which I know is funny but I think that's what th- that God is trying to communicate with us is I have called you out. I have set you on high. Not so that you can be in this place of whatever you think this is, but because you're mine. God is saying you are mine. I have set you apart. And here's the buried promise that we don't like to celebrate. God has he's delivered you. He's set you on high. He has called you out. He has set you apart. That means there's places in this world, in this life that you're not supposed to be. There are places that you don't belong. And I know, again, we don't celebrate that. We don't go, yeah, 
I shouldn't be doing that or I shouldn't be in that place or I shouldn't be in the middle of this turmoil or whatever that thing might be for you. And he's saying, yes, I've, I've delivered you from this, but I've also called you out of that. Don't let me deliver you from this thing and still go back to that thing over and over and over again. There's a reason my Oreos stay on top of the fridge and I don't put them in my kid's <laughs> snack basket because that's not where they belong. He's called you out of something. He's called you to a life set apart that's different. And he said, I have set you on high. And it's not a life of I've set you up here so you can be happy and above everything else. It's, no, I've set you apart so you can be holy as I am holy. And he gives us that command in Scripture, be holy as I am holy. Be in the world, but not of the world. And that sounds good, and we're like, yeah, I believe that, but are we doing it? Are we really living that out? And I think the challenge in this promise is, yes, I will deliver you. I will step in and I will save the day. I will, I will provide an escape for you. But stop getting yourself into trouble. <laughs> stop putting yourself in those situations you don't need to put yourself in. I've called you out of that. I've called you to something different. I've called you to be holy as I am holy. So he says, I will deliver you. I will set you on high. And then promise number three, he says, when you call, I will answer. This might be one of my favorite promises in Scripture. And the reason is, this used to be really, really complicated. Like, long story short, there was an inner court, an outer court, a holy of holies. There was only one guy that was supposed to go into that place to, like, experience the presence of God, right? And if you went in there and you weren't that guy, that was it. That was the last thing you ever did. And sometimes that guy, if he didn't have his life together, he would go in, and they had to drag him out with a rope because he didn't have it together. Like, but because of what Jesus did on a cross... He paid a sacrifice. He gave up everything that he had so that he could have us. So that we could talk with him. So that we could know him. So that he could answer. And that's why I love this promise so much. Now I have complete access to him. I can talk to him whenever I want. But I think a lot of times, that's what we focus on. I get to talk to that God. The God that when you used to walk into his presence, that was it wiped out. Now I get to walk into his presence and talk to him and he hears me. But can I just tell you that wasn't the promise. The promise God gave was I will answer. I will answer. And so yes, you get to talk to God. And he says pray without ceasing. But his promise is also I will answer. In other words, your prayer life, it can't just be you telling God all of your problems all the time. We can't just be uh, kind of a whining, you know, like here, here are all the issues, and then go about life. No, do all that. Say everything you need to say. But no, he knows. He knows. What he really wants from you is for you to maybe just listen. And I hope that I can say this without stepping on too many toes, but maybe you need him stepped on if it doesn't make sense. Like, it's supposed to be a two-way conversation. And somebody in that conversation has more to offer than the other. No offense. I think this is a call to listen. The God of heaven, the God whose presence, when, if we fully experienced it, would just wipe us out right now. That God says, yeah, you can talk to me, but I'm going to speak to you. And so he's saying, just wait on me and listen for my voice and learn my voice. He says, I will answer. And that's a promise that I love. But just like with all the other promises, there's a challenge in this one. Right? He says, I will answer. I will always answer. But the challenge is this. Sometimes that answer may be no. Sometimes the answer may be wait. 
Sometimes the answer is, no, I need to take them home now. He doesn't promise to give you the answer you want, right? He's not interested in making you happy in a moment. He's trying to give you a lifetime of satisfaction, which we're going to get to in the end in the last promise. He will answer. And then the fourth promise is this. He says, I will be with you in trouble. I will be with you in trouble. Again, this is another incredible promise. No matter what you face, whatever you're up against, whatever trouble you find yourself in, you will not be in it alone. And it's not like you'll be walking through it with like a little kid. Like, no, you are going into that trouble with the God of heaven. You're not alone in the middle of it. But just like all the other promises, in order for this to be true, in order for him to be with you in trouble, you will have to be in trouble. Which isn't exciting to think about, but it's just the reality of his promise to you. It's the brokenness of our world. And when we encounter that brokenness, he's not saying, I will take it away. He's saying, I will be with you. I will be with you in trouble. And when I think of that, I think of uh, when Jesus is out on the lake with his disciples, they're out on the boat, and Jesus goes and takes a nap, which if you read through scripture, he does a lot. So when you go to catch up from losing an hour of sleep or however much you have lost, just know that Jesus is in full support of that decision, right? (laughs) Jesus is taking a nap on the boat. The disciples are doing whatever they're doing on the boat. And then this storm just comes out of nowhere. And I mean like a storm, storm, like wind is howling. The waves are crashing into the boat. They think they're going to die. It looks like they are going to die. They are terrified. That's the word that they use. They're terrified. And they go wake up Jesus, who is sleeping through all of this. That's very important to note. He is asleep through the whole storm. They wake him up, and they basically say, are, do you not love us? What is happening? We're going to die. What are you doing? And Jesus, I love the way Jesus responds. At Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 40, this is what he says. He says, why are you so afraid? which seems like a crazy question a little bit because we're going to die. That's why we're so afraid. But he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And what I love about this is that the disciples, they don't seem to understand the reality of the fact that Jesus is in the boat. The same boat they're in, that's where Jesus is at. And I think we really miss that a lot. I think that's the promise here. The promise is not... You won't find yourself in situations of trouble where you're terrified and you think you're going to die. The promise is, I'm going to be with you in that. I'm going to be with you in the middle of that. That's what Jesus says to us. That's what God is saying to us in this passage. He's saying, I am with you. And the beautiful thing that we get to cling to in that is when we find ourselves in those situations, we can go, oh, well, there's Jesus and he's asleep. So this must be okay, right? Like, Jesus is with me. What's the worst that could happen? What is the worst thing that could happen? Uh, Eternity with him? Okay, that's fine. I'm down for that. Let's go. So he says, I will be with you in trouble. And so I think it's a beautiful promise. Promise number five, he says this. He says it again. He says, I will deliver you and honor you. But this time when he says deliver, it's, it's a different it's a different word. It, it would be really more uh, translated literally, I will equip you for war. I will arm for war. That's what this word deliver uh, means. And then the word honor that he uses here in Hebrew, it, it means to be heavy, to be weighty, to be grievous, to be hard. And I got to tell you, when I read that the first time, 
deliver you and honor you. I didn't think any of the words that I just said. That didn't come to mind. I thought I'd get a gold star and he would come in and save the day. But no, this promise is different. What he's saying is that God is, he's not always just going to swoop in and provide an escape. What he's saying here is the way that I'm going to deliver you is I'm going to equip you to fight that battle. In other words, because you have trusted me, because you have put your trust in me, I'm going to entrust this battle to you, and I'm going to give you everything that you need to fight through it. All you need to do is believe that, that I'm going to do that. And so he says, I will equip you. And then when he says, I will honor you, he's not saying, here's your gold star, good job. No, I will honor you by giving you hard things to handle. I will put heavy, grievous, hard things on your shoulders, not because of who you are, but because of who you've decided to follow, because of who you've put your trust in. And so he says, I will deliver you and honor you. I won't always swoop in and save the day, but I will always be with you and equip you to fight your way through it. I hope that that distinction makes difference, but I think that that is why he says it twice in here. I will deliver you and I will honor you. And then promise number six, he says, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. I will satisfy you. And he's talking about a a life. He's talking about your life. When you look back at your life, you will look back at that life and be satisfied. And the reason I don't think that this is two separate promises is because I think it's a really beautiful picture. Because see, the hidden kind of promise in here is one day we are all going to die. Just that's the reality. We are all going to we are all going to pass away at some point. And the beautiful thing about this promise is in that last moment when we close our eyes, I believe his promise here is you're going to look back at your life and you're going to say that was a good life. I walked with my God. I was faithful to my God. He was faithful to me. We got to know each other. That was a good life. That was a satisfying life. And in that same moment, you'll open your eyes and you will see his salvation. You will see his salvation. You will look in your Savior's eyes. And can I just tell you, I've been really thinking on that for a while. Like, and this is the best way I know how to express just what I've been feeling about that. Like, I believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. I believe that I will experience this moment that I'm talking about. If you were here with us last week, we took communion and we said the Apostles' Creed together. I believe all of that, right? I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. And then he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. And then he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit and one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Amen. I believe all of that. But hear me. On that day, when I open my my eyes in glory and I see his salvation, I won't have to believe for it anymore. I won't have to hope for it. I won't have to put my hope in anything. I will just know. And I'll look back at all the brokenness, all the hurt, all the pain, all the stuff that I had to endure. And I go, that was worth it. I could have handled so much more. And I don't know what that moment will be like. I really don't. But I do know in that moment, I will know. I'll have no doubt. I'll have no fear. I'll have no shame. I'll have no guilt. I'll have none of the things that that seem to hold me back. 
I will just know. And I believe that that's what this promise is right here. He's saying, you will look at your life and you'll be satisfied with it because you're going to open your eyes and you're going to see me. You're going to see my salvation and you will know that every single moment that you went through in that life was worth it. There's this old hymn, uh, I think written sometime in the 1800s, and it says this, it says, take the world and give me Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abides forever through eternal years the same. And my, my prayer as we kind of wrap up this series is that we could honestly say those words. Take the world and give me Jesus. And here's the action step, right? God himself gives it to us. It's the first thing that he says in verse 14. He says this, he says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will. And then he gives us these six promises. Therefore I will. Because you have set your love upon him, he's going to keep these promises in your life. And I know what you're asking. What does that mean? What does it mean to place your love upon anything? What does it look like for me to put my love upon God? And so I, I dove in and, and got a little nerdy, and I'm going to see if you guys can pronounce this word any better than I can. The Hebrew word here for that phrase, to set your love upon him, right? The Hebrew word is cheshak. Cheshak. Nailed it. That was flawless. <laughs> I assume. Cheshak means literally to cleave to to be bound to or knitted together. And deeper than that, it's, it's saying to, to delight in. In other words, right here, what God is saying is, I want, you, I want you to knit yourself together with me and I want you to find all of your delight. I want to be your truest desire. Delight yourself in me. Earlier on in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 37, he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, that is a beautiful promise. And as you may have guessed, with that promise, there, there's, there's something buried in there. Because when, when you knit yourself to who he is and you really truly delight yourself in who he is, your desires become his desires. In other words, this, this is a call to sacrifice. This is a call to say, God, I'm going to lay down everything that I've ever wanted you can have all of it. I'm going to surrender it right now. Here's everything that I've ever wanted, everything that has ever brought me delight. And now I'm going to, I'm going to knit myself to you and you are everything that I want. I'm going to give up everything I ever thought I wanted so that you can be everything that I need and everything that I want. And in that, this beautiful thing happens. Your desires become his desires. And when you take that step, that promise immediately becomes true. And so I think the call here is just to simply ask the question, am I really willing to do that? Do I really want to give up everything that I have? Am I really willing to take up my cross and follow after him? Do I really want to knit my entire life to who he is despite what it might mean for everything that I've got going on in my life? Can I honestly say, take the world and give me Jesus. Take the world and give me Jesus. My hope is that we could 100% say, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. And my hope for us as a church is that we could walk out of this place and live that out. 
knowing full well that he's got us, that he holds us in his hand, that he will always answer us, that he will be with us in trouble. He will always provide an escape or equip me to find a way out. And that I will at one point look back at my life and go, that was a good life because there's my Savior. Take the world and give me Jesus. May we be able to say that with all that we are. Will you all pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much, more than anything in the world, for who you are. And despite who I am, you gave up everything that you ever wanted and everything that you ever had so that you could have me. And so my prayer for everybody that hears this right now would be that we could, that we could do the same for you. That we could lay down everything that we have and everything that we've ever wanted so that we could have you in your fullness. Not just an idea of you, not just some picture of you that we hang on our wall, but so that we could have Jesus in his fullness, so that we could know the God of heaven in his fullness, so we could stand at the end of our lives and look at them and go, that was a good life. And then look into our Savior's face. Church, I don't want to let the moment pass without at least extending this invitation to anyone in the room that might be here as everyone's heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here today and maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, but today you're saying, I really want to do that. I really want to follow that Jesus. And I don't know what it looks like. I know that there's some really unhealthy pictures of what it looks like and I don't want that, but I do want to know the Jesus that he's talking about today. I do want to follow after the God that has made me these promises. I do want to place all of my hope and trust in who he is. And so if that's you, I just want to offer the invitation today. Just slip your hand in the air and say, I'm in. We would love to pray with you. This is not a chance for, for us to embarrass you. It's just simply a chance to celebrate with you. So if that's you, would you just slip up a hand? Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate that? I'm going to ask you if you would, if you just made that decision, would you repeat this prayer after me? The church is going to pray with us. They're going to help us out. But just pray this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for stepping into the middle of my brokenness and providing a way out. Today, I give you everything that I am. I lay down everything that I've ever wanted and ask you to be everything that I need. Come into my life, change me, and make me whole. I love you, Jesus. And I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that one more time, church? You guys can go ahead and stand to your feet. But I want to just speak a blessing over you. If you would, just reach your hands to receive this to heaven. And I just want to speak these promises over you. God says this about you. Because you have set your love on him, he says, I will deliver you. I will set you on high. 
I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you, and I will satisfy you with a long life, and you will know my salvation. And so, church, as you go out of this place, I commission you to go out confidently believing that you walk with the God of heaven, that Jesus goes with you. He is in the boat with you, and he is providing escape or equipping you for the battle that you may face. So go out with confidence and shine the light and the love of Jesus everywhere that you go. Church, we love you. Thank you for being here today. Please drive safe out there, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.